Amazon Books, your weekly program about great reads through book talks, trailers, and first chapters. Presented by Mrs. Winningham and Mrs. Kovach. Hello, this is Maria, and I'm a seventh grader, and I'm going to be reading um, a little bit into Crave by Tracy Wolf, and it says, take a bite. Have you ever, my voice breaks, and I take a deep breath, then try again. Have you ever wanted something so much that you were afraid to take it? He nods, yes. Like it's right there waiting for you to just reach out and grab it, but you're so terrified of what will happen when you lose it that you never make the reach. Yes, he says again, his voice burrowing inside me. I tilt my head up until our eyes meet, and I whisper, What did you do? For long seconds, he doesn't say anything. He just stares back at me with this look as scarred and broken as the rest of him, and says, I decided to take it anyway. Then he leans down and presses his lips to mine. My whole world changed when I stepped inside the academy. Nothing is right about this place or the other students in it. Here I'm a mere mortal among gods or monsters. I still can't decide which of these warring factions I belong to, if I belong at all. I only know the one thing that unites them is their hatred of me. Then there's Jackson Vega, a vampire with deadly secrets who hasn't felt anything for a hundred years, but there's something about him that calls to me, something broken in him that somehow fits with what's broken in me, which could spell death for us all. Because Jackson walled himself off for a reason, and now someone wants to wake a sleeping monster, and I'm wondering if I was brought here intentionally as the bait. Chapter Zero if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. I stand at the outer Tremac door, staring at the plane I am about to get on, and try my hardest not to freak out. It's easier said than done. Not just because I'm about to leave behind everything I know, though up until two minutes ago, that was my main concern. Now, though, as I stare at this plane that I'm not even sure deserves the dignity of being called a plane, a whole new level of panic is setting in. So, Grace, the man my Uncle Finn sent to pick me up, looks down at me with a patient smile. Philip, I think he said his name was, but I can't be sure. It's hard to hear him over the wild beating of my heart. Are you ready for an adventure? No, no, I am not the least bit ready for an adventure or anything else that's about to come my way. If you had told me a month ago that I would be standing in the outskirts of an airport in Fairbanks, Alaska, I would have said that you were misinformed. And if you had told me that the whole reason I was in Fairbanks was to catch the tiniest puddle jumper in existence to what feels like the very edge of the world, or in this case, a town on the edge of Benelli, the highest mountain in North America, I would have said that you were wrong. But a lot can change in 30 days, and even more can get ripped away. In fact, the only thing I have been able to count on these past few weeks is that no matter how bad things are, they can always get worse. Okay, so um, I am going to jump a little bit because it's a little bit slow and I want to make sure that um, we can keep a good fast pace and also get to the good parts in the book. So this is chapter two. Just because you live in a tower doesn't make you a prince. The ride isn't as bad as I thought it would be. I mean, it's not good, but that is more to do with the fact that I've been traveling all day I just want to get someplace, any place, where I can stay longer than a layover. 
Okay, so from that, she, um, Grace, the main character, is being led around by her cousin, Macy. Um, so, and being shown around the academy where she's going to have to stay. Awesome! Macy grins and throws her arms around me for a fast but powerful hug. Then she glances at her phone with a roll of her eyes. Dad still hasn't answered my text. He's the worst about checking his phone. Why don't you hang out here and I'll go get him. I know he wanted to see you as soon as we arrived. I, I can come with you. Please, just sit, Grace. She points at the ornate French provincial-style chairs that flank a small chess table and in a clove to the right of the staircase. I'm sure you're exhausted, and I've got this. Honest. Relax a minute while I get Dad. Because she's right, my head is aching and my chest still feels tight. I just nod and plop down in the closest chair. I'm beyond tired and want nothing more than to lean my head back against the chair and close my eyes for a minute. But I'm afraid... I'll fall asleep if I do. In no way am I ruining or am I running the risk of being the girl caught drooling all over herself in the hallway on her very first day, or ever for that matter. More to keep myself from drifting off than out of actual interest, I pick up one of the chess pieces in front of me. It's made of intricately carved stone, and my eyes widen as I suddenly realize what I'm looking at, a perfect rendition of a vampire, right down to the black cape, frightening snarl, and bared fangs. It matches the gothic castle vibe so well that I can't help being amused. Plus, it's gorgeously crafted. Intrigued now, I reach for a piece from the other side and nearly laugh out loud when I realize it's a dragon. Fierce, regal, with giant wings. It's absolutely beautiful. The whole set is. I put the piece down, only to pick up another dragon. This one is less fierce, but with its sleepy eyes and folded wings, it's even more intricate. I look it over carefully, fascinated with the level of detail in the piece. Everything from the perfect points on the wings to the careful curl of each talon reflects just how much care the artist put into the piece. I've never been a chess girl, but this set just might change my mind about the game. When I put down this dragon piece, I go to the other side of the board and pick up the vampire queen. She's beautiful, with long flowing hair and an elaborately decorated cape. I'd be careful with that one if I were you. She's got a nasty bite. The words, the words are low and, and rumbly and so close that I nearly fall out of my chair. Instead, I jump up, plopping the chess piece down with a clatter, then whirl around, heart pounding, only to find myself face to face with the most intimidating guy I've ever seen. And not just because he's good looking, although he's definitely that. Still, there's something more to him, something different and powerful and overwhelming, though I don't have a clue what it is. I mean, sure, he's has the kind of face 19th century poets love to write about, too intense to be beautiful and too striking to be anything else. Skyscraper cheekbones, full red lips, a jaw so sharp it could cut stone, smooth alabaster skin, and his eyes, a bottomless obsidian that see everything and show nothing, surrounded by the longest, most obscene lashes I've ever seen. And even worse, those all-knowing eyes are laser-focused on me right now, and I'm suddenly terrified that you can see all the things I worked so hard and so long to hide. I try to duck my head, try to yank his gaze from, try to yank my gaze from his, but I can't. I'm trapped by his stare, hypnotized by the sheer magnetism rolling off him in waves. I swallow hard to catch my breath. It doesn't work. And now he's grinning, one corner of his mouth turning up and a crooked little smile that I feel in every single cell, which only makes it worse because that smirk says he knows exactly what kind of effect he's having on me. And worse that he's enjoying it. Annoyance flashes through me at the realization, melting the numbness that's surrounded me since my parents' death, waking me from the stupor that's been 
the only thing that's keeping me from screaming all day, every day, at the unfairness of it all, at the pain and the horror and helplessness that have taken over my whole life. It's not a good feeling. And the fact that it's this guy with the smirk and the face and the cold eyes that refuse to relinquish their hold on me, even as they demand that I don't look too closely, just ticks me off more. It's the anger that finally gives me the strength to break free of his gaze. I rip my eyes away, then search desperately for something else, anything else, to focus on. Unfortunately, he's standing right in front of me, so close that he's blocking my view of anything else. Determined to avoid his eyes, I look anywhere but, and land instead on his long, lean body. Then really wish I hadn't, because the black jeans and t-shirt he's wearing only emphasize his flat stomach and hard, well-defined biceps, not to mention the double-wide shoulders that are absolutely responsible for blocking my view in the first place. Add in the thick, dark hair that's worn a little too long, so that it falls forward into his face and skims low across his insane cheekbones, and there's nothing to do but give in. Nothing to do but admit that this boy, obnoxious smirk or not, is definitely popular. A little wicked, a lot wild, and all dangerous. What little oxygen I've been able to pull I've been able to pull into my lungs in this high altitude completely disappears with the realization, which only makes me matter, because seriously, when exactly did I become the heroine in some young adult romance? The new girl swooning over the hottest, most unattainable boy in school? Gross, and so not happening. Determined to nip whatever this is in the bud, I forced myself to look at his face again. This time, as our gazes met and clashed, I realized that it doesn't matter if I'm acting like some giant romantic cliché. Because he isn't. One glance and I know that this dark boy with the closed-off eyes and the uh, bad attitude isn't the hero of anyone's story, least of all mine. Okay, so that's your sneak peek into this book, and hopefully go down to your library and check it out.